Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 96 of Buds and Blue Jays, your place for all things related to the Toronto Blue Jays. I'm your host, Jesse Burrell, and we would like to say a great welcome back to our co-host, Riley McConnell, as he took the last few episodes off. He was on vacation down in Mexico, but Riley, the Buds and Blue Jays now feel complete again. We've got you back. Welcome back to the show, Riley. I want to give special thanks, Jesse. You always do such a good job. But in my absence, Mr. Cal Gould and Isaac Bass, you guys rock. Much love to both you guys. You guys had great series to cover. Of course, I caught all the action down on my uh, complimentary free TV channel, and they had the game on Anglais and not on Espanol, and didn't learn a whole lot of Spanish. But um, they were there were some good cervezas down, and now we're back to the real world, Jesse. And uh, couldn't be happier with the result in my absence, and still mm-hmm. from from the weekend series, still a lot of good things to take away. And we are a very winning ball club as of right now. Yeah, Riley, I was going to make the joke. We can't let you back onto the show until the Blue Jays lose again, but they lost today, so we're allowed to have you back. Uh, today on the show, the Jays did get a little bit of revenge against Teoscar Hernandez and the Seattle Mariners with the weekend series, welcoming them back to Rogers Center for the first time since the Wild Card series last year. We did take two out of three games, and then we finished our homestand with a 5-1 and one record. If you can do that every homestand, that'll be great for the Toronto Blue Jays. So we're going to talk about some of the good, including what Kevin Gosman did this series, including some good things with the bat, and then some of the bad that the the Toronto Blue Jays showed here as well. But before we get into all that stuff, guys, remember our show is free and we're available on all platforms. So if you're watching us on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already. Our subscriber numbers are rapidly growing and we want you to be a part of the next wave here as well. And if you're listening to us in podcast land, please like, share, download, follow us, leave us a five-star review, all that fun stuff. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok as well. Riley and I will get back to you on there. But all that stuff out of the way, Riley, let's get right into the game recaps here for those of you at home who might have missed it. Game one of this series, this was a rematch of wildcard game one. It was Alec Manoa versus Luis Castillo, and the Jays got their revenge in this one. They won this game three to two. Both teams scored single runs in the second and third innings. Jays got theirs thanks to a home run by Alejandro Kirk and a Matt Chapman double. The Jays took the lead for good in the bottom of the sixth thanks to a George Springer RBI single and the Blue Jays bullpen in game one, Riley, 12 up, 12 down with eight strikeouts in this game dominance to shut out the Mariners there game two this game took place on Saturday afternoon the Jays won this game one to nothing in 10 innings Kevin Gosman was brilliant in this one seven innings pitch six hits no earned runs one walk 13 strikeouts the problem is that the Jays were being shut out by Easton McGee who was making his first major league baseball start Jays didn't get a hit till their Matt Chapman double in the seventh inning and the Jays bullpen only allowed one runner to reach base and they were able to do their job in their half of the 10th with a Dalton Varshow game-winning RBI single and a game three the game that took place this afternoon this game was a wild one the Jays end up losing this one 10 to 8 in 10 innings Chris Bassett struggled with his command early and ultimately gave up a first inning grand slam which was aided by the umpire by the way we'll get into that a little more later here but the Jays were able to answer back early scoring two in the first and then three more in both the second and the third innings thanks to a monster home run by Bo Bichette we also had RBI doubles from Danny Jansen and Matt Chapman again they led the way but unfortunately the Blue Jays bullpen which was so good in the first two games of the series was not able to keep it up in this one we had some questionable pitching decisions and poor performances as Trevor Richards Anthony Bass and Zach Pop all gave up home runs the Jays were able to get the winning run to the plate in the bottom of the 10th but were not able to capitalize as Paul Seawald shut down the door so after this series Riley the Blue Jays sit with a record of 18 and 10 we're third place in the AL East we're four and a half games back of Tampa currently sitting comfortably in the second wild card spot lots of talking points to come through with this Mariner series Riley all you man take it away where are we going first 
I mean, first of all, two of these games, Jesse, finished in extras. I mean, mm-hmm. it, I mean, you can talk about close run differentials, and the Mariners had us by one run if you want to add up the tally charts there they beat us by one run in the series we beat them two games to one two games and extras extraordinary but jesse i would as much as i would love to you know talk about my guy when you say another double another double another double i want to get my first nod to a guy when you when your team pitches a shutout um it starts with the starting pitcher obviously whether he goes the full way which he didn't he went seven innings so that's kevin gosman backed up by a very good bullpen 13 strikeouts, only walked one hitter and gave up six hits, nothing substantial. Uh, you know, pretty much just, I mean, you can't get on base when you're taking foolish hacks at balls out of the zone. I mean, you know it's coming, Jesse. You know the split finger yeah. fastball is coming, but you just can't resist it. And it was just an incredible thing to watch, man. I said this before the show because, I mean, I like new. I like fresh. I kind of forget some of his appearances last year, but I think this has been his best start since becoming a Toronto Blue Jay. I mean, he looked absolutely fantastic. He looked like he could be a Cy Young Award winner the way he mm. took the mound and threw in game two of the series. Riley, it's almost like we predicted that at the start of the show that Kevin Gosman would have such a dominant performance that he could be the AL Cy Young Award winner. And he looked excellent. You talked about that splitter, Riley. Like, you know it's coming. You know it's going to be there. Kevin Gosman actually did a good job of just laying that fastball in the low part of the zone because hitters were actually starting to take it, thinking it was a splitter. And then they just got frozen with the fastball. Like, it is so fun to watch Kevin Gosman pitch. And some things he did really well in this start too, Riley. 28 swinging strikes in this one, including 20 on the splitter alone, which was the most that pitch has gotten in any game in Major League Baseball history. So no splitter has gotten more swinging strikes than Kevin Gosman's did in game two of this series. And that's just fairly impressive. I'm with you, man. Kevin Gosman. I know Garrett Cole has been fantastic for the Yankees so far this year, but Kevin Gosman is still my number one, one month into the season for the AL Cy Young Award. And he is truly our SP1 on the season. He looked absolutely fantastic. I mean, what what more can you say? And it's not going to, the buck doesn't stop here. Uh, I mean, th- don't expect 13 Ks every time he hits hits the mound. But I mean, a performance like this is definitely one for the ages and historically true. If that's the most swings and misses on a split finger fastball, that's something to be very mm-hmm. proud of. And he's our... He's our guy. Like you said, he's our tried and true. He's our number one right now. And I think he's going to put together a colossal set of quality starts over the next, I mean, hell, could even be for the rest of the year, man. I don't even expect too many more blowups. It's just so consistent with Kevin Gosman. I think the only blow up he, ha- blow up he had this year took place very early in the ballgame and still bounced yeah, in Houston. back from that. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, what, what more can you say that he is? probably in the top three of American League pitchers right now. And he is in discussion to be or, you know, the best pitcher in all of baseball with a select few. And that's a that's a journeyman. That's a guy who's worked on his craft. And kudos to Gosman, man. 13 strikeouts and seven innings pitch. Those are some crooked numbers. Two thumbs up, Riley, from you and I on the performance that Kevin Gosman gave here. And another player that has really impressed us here, we got to talk about Matt Chapman. I don't know if you heard when I was going through those game recaps there, but I'm pretty sure I said Matt Chapman double in every single game recap that we did there. And he's looked impressive, man. Not like I don't really know what else to say. I guess you've been gone for the past like 10 days or so, so maybe you have more to say on Matt Chapman. But like 
He's hitting the ball hard. Like today I was impressed because he pulled a double down the line, down the third baseline. And he was really drilling the ball. Like in game two, his double was to dead center field. In game one, his double was to right center field. Like Matt Chapman is truly just hitting the ball with authority to all parts of the plate. He's not swinging and missing nearly as much. His walk rate is up. Like, I don't know what else to say about Matt Chapman, man. He has just been absolutely amazing. And I'd say without a doubt, he's probably your American League player of the month for the month of April. I will buy that for sure. And in that, mm-hmm. talk about him drawing his walks. Let's not even talk about him swinging the stick right now. In that one nothing game, he was the only player to draw a walk for the Blue Jays, and he drew two. And yeah, right. you want to talk about a guy leads the league in extra base hits. I mean, mm-hmm. yes, they're not home runs. His, his, his slugging, his OPS is still through the roof. I mean, it's this close is to a guy I think. Yeah, that it's insane. I, would, I would bet – that if this case continues, I mean, he is I, I, like, I want him. He deserves to be an all-star at this point in the year. I really hope that this trend continues. Yes, he's been red hot. Is this a streak? Well, I'll tell you, for me, it's not a streak, Jesse. I mean, a very young Buds and Blue Jays man once said <laughs> that you bank on Matt Chapman doing great things for the Blue Jays. And yeah, it's his glove. But man, the power is real. He can pull a ball. He shoots the ball right center alley is a great spot for him he makes great contact and hits it to that part of the ballpark and it's a lot of hard contact and yeah i mean i don't know which game it was he got robbed of a home run or a ball that was gonna hit the top of the wall this might have been the series before because i wanted to mention that he's getting like this is a guy who's absolutely hitting for the fences every time he goes up and yes he, he still strikes out more than the average ball player but when you when you p- put in the amount of success he has at the dish and those extra base hits, I mean, you see, you said it, Jesse, a double in every single game. When you double in every single game of a three-game series, people are going to talk about you. Jays fans are talking about Matt Chapman. I've been talking about Matt Chapman when he was, and yes, a little bit of a poopy year last year. Sure. But this is a guy who is, is basically putting up this year and is is a dynamite piece for our offense right now with an already great core of players. Not bad for a 30-year-old who might who's already had some like six and seven war seasons under his belt that he might be even putting together his best season so far yet. And when I was at the game today, I don't want to get into it too much, but when the Jays were trying to make their rally in the bottom of the 10th and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was up, all I could think of was, Vladdy, just draw a walk, get on base so we can give Matt Chapman a chance to try to be the hero here. Ultimately, it didn't happen, but I have so much confidence in Matt Chapman at the plate right now, and I'm honestly excited to see where it goes from here. Another player, though, Riley, who on the offensive side of the ball who really impressed me, that was Bo Bichette. And I'm only really bringing this up because I was at the game this afternoon and he hit a massive three-run home run today in game three. That traveled 460 feet. It was Bo Bichette's second longest hit of his career. It's the longest one he hit at Rogers Center. I don't know if you saw this, Riley, but he hit this one into the flight deck into center field. And where it actually hit on the wall in the flight deck actually caused a small dent into the wall at the flight deck at Rogers Center, 460 feet away for Bo Bichette. And he did it off of Marco Gonzalez changeup. And if Bo Bichette has just absolutely crushed the changeup this year, especially off these lefties, Bo Bichette can do it. He was slugging 875 against the pitch so far this year. And boy, he did not miss this one. And on top of that, I th- I'm going to whisper here, but the defense is actually kind of good for Bo Bichette now. So he's really impressed me. And I'm excited to see where things go from Bo Bichette. Thumbs up for me here. 
I mean, the odd time when you're going to lead the American League in hits three, three consecutive years in a row, maybe four, depending on how we progress. I mean, you're bound to hit a 460-foot bomb. At this point, I mean, you're not going to see too many of those. Bo more of the kind of line drive. Um, you know, short porch, just 290, maybe 410 kind of regions of home runs. But uh, to hit a ball like that, center field, square it up like he did. I mean, that's baseball, baby. That's a beautiful thing to watch. Kudos to you for being at that ball game too. Very exciting. And um, I don't know if he hits one farther in his career. It's really tough to say, but he's really, really showing that he, I mean, he didn't have, let's, Let's be honest. I'll be honest. The home run is good. We'll give him a thumbs up just for that. He wasn't electric and all. Hit machine. Just stay healthy, my guy. Please. I want to see what you can do because this Blue Jays team is only going to go as far as you can carry us. But I don't have another official thumbs up. Those were the big ones that really performed me. I just wanted to throw some love to two guys, and they're both our catching tandem. First one is Alejandro Kirk. Hit a home run in game one of this series. The first home run that Luis Castillo had given up this year. And you could tell right off the bat that uh, Alejandro Kirk really got it and squared it up. And I wanted to throw some love to Danny Jansen here, too. Going back to the last series against the Chicago White Sox, he was Kevin Gosman's catcher in game two. He has now been behind the plate for the, his last three games, game two and three against the White Sox and game two in this series. All three of those games, Riley, were shutouts. So Danny Jansen has now caught three straight shutouts from behind the plates. And I know we've given some slack to Danny Jansen's defensive numbers so far this year. But hey, three straight shutouts, that's not an accident. That's good on Danny Jansen for being able to call a game so well and to get that done. Danny Jansen, definitely one of the better signal caller, callers in the American League for sure. And the bat's finally starting to turn around just ever so just how you need a catcher to hit. I mean, it's hard. I mean, Kirk had three hits in game one, I believe. So mm -hmm. when, when Jansen gets his plate appearances, when he comes around, I mean, it's good to make it count because when you take a guy like Kirk or he could even be DH and I mean, however you want to use them interchangeably, they're, they're positive replace or they're above replacement guys as it is. Mm -hmm. And to utilize Danny Jansen, I mean, a pull it as a guy who's pulling the ball, pulling doubles. And um, I, I predict a little bit more elevation on baseballs in the near future. I mean, I don't know if the home run numbers are going to be what we thought they could have been last year if he had a full year, but double digits is not out of the question, Jesse. This is a guy, this is a power hitting catcher. It's a matter of how he's going to do it, what appearances he's going to get. And yeah, as far as the defense goes, it's not a coincidence. Danny Jansen, a good signal caller, a real veteran on this Blue Jays club he obviously mm -hmm. knows the pitch as well and that's very important down the line because pitching is going to help us i mean it's pretty much going to make or break what happens this season and to have a good catcher behind the dish for these pitchers i think is instrumental and of course i'm an old school guy i could care less if my catcher hit 200 or whatever but when you add the power of danny jansen into that maybe get the average up just a little bit but all things adding up in the plus category from both those guys and jansen coming along very nice Nicely. Danny Jansen has always been a slow starter too. So the fact that maybe he's turning into his power just a little bit earlier this year, maybe can only be a good thing. I expect him to get to the 20 home run plateau. And uh, if he stays healthy, I have no doubt that he'll get there. From the positives, Riley, to the negatives, there were a few things we could talk about here. And I wanted to talk about what I saw in game three of this series here, the game that the Blue Jays had an 8-4 lead and they lost it late. And I'm, 
I, I don't know how much of a strategist you are when it comes to baseball, Riley, and how you bring in your relievers and when to bring them in. It's tough, right? Because hindsight's always twenty twenty. You never know exactly how a player is going to perform. But I have some questions with John Schneider and how he managed the bullpen in this game. And I guess we'll start from the back of the game going out. He brought in Zach Pop into the 10th. Now, you can probably assume that both Eric Swanson and Jordan Romano were unavailable in this game today as they had both pitched in the two games prior. So, fine. That makes sense, right? They had already used Jimmy Garcia, and we had talked about maybe using Zach Pop in higher leverage situations. So, fine. Bring him out into the 10th. A guy who can get good strikeouts. Makes sense to try to prevent the ghost runner from scoring. But there were three of the three of the next four hitters to come up in the top of the 10th were all left-handed hitters. And as a right-hander, especially with the sinker slider combo, like it, it's tough to do. And we saw Zach pop end up ultimately giving up a two run home run to Cal rally, which ultimately lost the blue Jays, the game. So there was another instance too, with Jimmy Garcia. I thought he was left in the game too long with JP Crawford up at the plate. Again, another spot where you want to bring in your lefty Tim Mesa and he kind of let his guys go. And if you're looking for a guy that just say, Hey, he's got nasty stuff. We need a big strikeout. Well, that's what Nate Pearson's there for. He's probably got the nastiest stuff in that bullpen. And I know he's raw. So I don't know. Do you have a thought with how John Schneider used his bullpen here late in this game? So um, I'll first give you the, give John Schneider some credit and the pitchers in the game in games one and two Swanson was the only one who relinquished a base runner. It was a walk, but our bullpen right. was phenomenal through games one and two in this series. There's, it was, that is undisputed Jesse, agree. but our bullpen agree. really let us down um, in this, in this game three. And like I say, anytime you score eight runs in a ball game, you hope to come away with a win. I mean, something mm-hmm. has to go wrong to give up this double digit runs. We'll talk about in the first half of the game what had actually happened there, because that'll be the next thing we talk about. An undeserved thumbs down for me. But however, yeah, um, when Gar- I said this before the show to you, Jesse. When Garcia took the mound in the in that inning, in the ninth inning, I just had this gut feeling that something was afoot, that something was going to happen. I don't know what it is. The, maybe the way he stepped on the on the rubber. Like, I don't know what it was. I just did not feel comfortable. And you got to remember, it is the Mariners, and they have been very, very pesky to our Blue Jays over the last 400 days or so. So, I mean, for us to, you know, maybe not use the correct guys, there's still, I mean, there's still outs that have to happen. You're a big league pitcher. Like, yes, the matchups weren't ideal. I would have loved to have seen a maze in there versus lefties. That would have been great. Instead, we roll with four straight right-handers. And listen, Bass gave up an absolute blast. Pop didn't yeah. have his greatest stuff. And like I said, Garcia was um, was substandard to what he usually is. I mean, he, he was he's been good up to this point. It was just one of those gut feelings. You just you, you just kind of knew that it wasn't over yet, Jesse. Especially. Especially when he came in to finish the seventh and then he started the eighth and he gave up a leadoff walk to Tommy LaStella like that. You can't do that. And especially his next one was a ground ball to Espinal and they could have turned a double play, but some miscommunication there, which caused the runner to be in scoring position. I don't know. You mentioned Bass, and I just want to bring it up here really quick on Anthony Bass because he's by far been our worst reliever right now. ERA over seven, gave up another home run. His whip, Riley, I know you love a good whip stat, 1.78. That will not do for Anthony Bass. I know coming into the year, I think I was higher on the guy. I really liked what he did in Miami before he came over in the trade for the Toronto Blue Jays, but I always ranked him in that top tier of relievers. You were always kind of putting him more in that second tier of relievers, and I think to say you were right here, he has not performed, and like 
Riley, the Blue Jays have a bit of a reliever roster crunch here. Like Nate Pearson, his stuff is too good to be sent down. I don't think Zach Pop is going to be sent down anymore. Mitch White is working his way back. Adam Simber is going to be back at some point soon. Trevor Richards is actually, you know, I gave up the home run today, but he's, you know, striking out half the batters he's facing. Like, are we in danger of Anthony Bass being cut off this roster once these guys come back? I mean, the use it's the usage thing for me. Uh, we have we have a plethora of good right handers in this bullpen. And it honestly surprised me. And I wanted to say this, you know, uh, two episodes ago when I was down having a, a siesta or a fiesta in Mexico, I wanted to say I would have liked to see the use of Eric Swanson a little bit more. That would be a guy that yep. maybe I want him to prove himself in the Blue Jays rotation, maybe over a guy. And I wasn't name dropping, but if you want to mention a few, you we, we'll say I'll say Trevor Richards and, and Anthony Bass are mm-hmm. probably on the hook a little bit more than than some guys. I mean, this is before the Garcia. I wouldn't say it's a blow up. It's definitely a bad outing it's not a blow up because consistently yes Richards and Bass have not had great numbers to start this year now I always think relievers will have funky numbers it takes a long time for that to level sure. out you want to talk about a one seven whatever whip I mean to get that into the one twos Jesse I mean he's gonna have to be awfully good till July to really bring that number to what he would want it is that gonna happen I don't know is he gonna get cut I don't think he's going to get cut, but I really think his usage should be kind of more thought out. Like you said, was he a top tier guy or is he kind of a, a guy who's got a lower leverage role? Maybe you reel it in for a mop up role or a heavy lead kind of thing. I mean, he's a right hander who gives up some hard contact mm-hmm. and it, it showed it, it really showed man. Maybe his stuff just isn't there. Like it, like it was because it's a second stint with us It's a second blue Jay stint and a second year in his second stint right now. So I think that maybe, I, yeah, I mean, I don't want it to see him to get cut. It would take a lot for me to want to cut him, but definitely lower the usage for sure. Right. And put rid- on that list as well. If I haven't said that before, he's still on that list. Yeah, these things tend to play themselves out anyway. We won't cross that bridge until we have to. A few more things I want to cover too, Riley. Let's get to them really quick. Alec Manoa was solid in his start coming off of his great start in New York. He did give up a few more runs here, but he still seemed to have his swagger back. The slider location was a lot better. And you wanted to talk a little bit about Chris Bassett and how he got screwed up. Well, I don't want to say screwed over because he did walk two hitters. He did still hit a guy, but he should have threw the pitch to get out of the inning. And you saw what he did to that poor iPod when he got back into the dugout, smashing it to pieces in the smithereens there. Uh, I guess, you know, his line overall doesn't look that bit that that good, sorry, because of the grand slam he ended up giving up there, but he is walking a lot of guys, right? And it, the soft contact skills, although are still good, are not quite at the level they were last year for Chris Bassett. So do you have a thought on Chris Bassett or Alec Manoa and their starts they made this series? We'll just address Bassett right off the get-go, Jesse, because I think personally that he got screwed. Um, he looked great in the first inning up until the third batter where things started to fall off. There was a couple pitches that he located that sinker really well in the in the low portion of the plate, low corner, really painted it in a way, and he just didn't get the call. I thought that um, catcher did a good job rep- you know, representing the ball, good frame, yep. whatever. 
So we get, we get, we, now we got to readjust, Jesse. It's not the, you, you don't dwell on something. You go against the next batter. So how we handled the situation after that was not good. Was I cheesed about the call and I thought the inning should have been over? Absolutely. But you got to get after the next hitter and walking two guys and hitting a batter to, to load the bases is not good and then you get a guy come up and hit a grand slam i mean that's not even karma that's just that's just you just that's just the baseball god you must have done something terribly wrong i don't really know chris bass did not deserve that first inning was it the best outing he's had absolutely not it wasn't his worst though he still struck out seven over five innings that's a mm -hmm. good takeaway too but yeah those those four earned runs and four walks on his line don't really look good I thought, you know, maybe in my mind when he was in Oakland A, he had a little bit better control. I personally think that those pitches aren't missing by a whole lot. So, I mean, some did some fastballs out of the zone, but a lot of those pitches were were close. Just maybe some some good uh, some good plate discipline by the hitters not going after those low pitches on Bassett. But yeah, he got kind of screwed in the first inning, and I guess in 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 a sense, it kind of came back to bite us. In the end, we take two out of three, we move on, and I really hope Bassett shakes it off because that's not all on his. Sh it's not all on him in 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 that first inning. Yeah, it's just six starts now as a Toronto Blue Jay. He's walked three plus in four of those six starts. So I just want to see that number go down, but I'm still confident we're going to get a good pitcher out of Chris Bassett here. Uh, just two more notes, I guess. One, Dalton Varsho. He was the walk-off hero in game two with a good solid single, but he was 0 for 18 coming into that. And it just really seems like teams have kind of figured out how to pitch to Dalton Varsho now. They're really throwing that fastball up high above the zone. And Dalton Varsho seems to swing at that pitch a little more. So I would love to see him be able to take those pitches and then maybe get those get me over curveballs or those changeups that Dalton Varsho can hit so well. He did get two hits in the last game of the series here, so maybe things are slowly coming around. But we knew this about Dalton Varsho coming into the season. We knew he'd have these slumps like this. As long as the extra base pop can come back and get with authority, I think we're going to be okay. Just real quick, Riley, do you have a thought on Varsho here? No, I'm I'm especially not that concerned. I, the defense is still is still it way better than kind of what we had last year and also with the way that our hitters are going for average right now mm -hmm. i'm okay with a little bit of a slump because i know he's he's probably not going to finish the year as a 180s hitter he's also not going to finish the year probably as a 280s hitter so it'll play out he'll he'll get hot for a bit and I mean, I'm not I'm not really not too concerned with the lineup that we have, but he's definitely a good lefty bat for us to have. So against the righties, if our righties do flounder a little, would put together something like a three hit game or get on base three times, something like that. Yeah, I'm sure it'll all come together for him. And Teoscar Hernandez made his return. There was a nice little tribute video. We gave him a cheer. I gave him a little bit of a cheer. You knew he was going to hit a home run at some point in the series. So when he did it today, I thought the Jays were going to have this game. I gave Teo a nice little cheer as he was rounding the bases. But uh Maybe in retrospect, we shouldn't. As ultimately, the Jays lost by one run. It's good to see Teoscar back. You know, he's still got a lot of friends on this team. It was very nice. Good little tribute video. Do you have a thought about the Teoscar Hernandez reunion? I think that um, to cheer for him, Jesse, if I was at that ball game, I would have done the exact same mm -hmm. thing. In fact, I would have liked to think that I would have led the applause in, in some facet of whatever section I was sitting in or stay, I'd be standing. I mean, it's a, I just, like you, I'm probably already standing at that point in the game. When I saw, you know, him step up to the plate and everything like that to start the series, I thought, get up. 
Why are you sitting? You see him yeah, walking yeah, yeah. to the plate now. You you start the stand, then your applause. I mean, Tay Oscar is a was a longtime Blue Jay and did some very good things for this ball club. He deserves that respect. I know it's you know pretty much a new new wave rival, our 1977 expansion sister in a way, the Mariners, that also has a very good ball club, and he kind of gets you know traded in a, a, a whatever, whatever. It's it's done. He hit the home run. It was sort of game changing in a way. But yeah, would have changed the thing. Feel welcome in the city of Toronto, Tay Oscar, because we still love you. Your legacy will live on. Did some great things and a great development success story for the story of Tay Oscar Hernandez as a Toronto Blue Jay. Riley, with that being said, the Blue Jays now begin a run of 15. Yes, count it 15 straight series, which is 48 games against teams currently at 500 or above. So buckle up, Riley. There's going to be a lot of tough baseball for the next month and a half here for the Toronto Blue Jays, starting with the currently 500 Boston Red Sox, where the Jays are going to make their first trip to Fenway Park for a four-game series. Probable pitchers for this series, Jose Barrios will face Corey Kluber in Game 1. Game 2 will be Yusei Kikuchi versus Tanner Houck. Game 3 will be Alec Manoa against Nick Pavetta. And Game 4 will be Kevin Gosman against Brian Bayo. Riley, do you have a prediction? A, a pick-to-click, if you will. How are things going to shake up against this series against Boston? Well, I don't. Th- four games is a hard one to sweep, but if we took three games, I'd be awfully tickled. I read something before we came on tonight, probably two hours before. The American League East, Jesse, right now is by far the best division in baseball, and I say it probably every five damn episodes here, man. It's <laughs> never changed. It has never changed, especially with the rise of what is now the Baltimore Orioles' core players. The American League East is a deadly division. If you're not from the Amer- you fear the American League East. I'm on I'm on the inside of baseball mm-hmm. I watch. But if I'm on the outside I fear what teams like the Yankees, the Rays, the Blue Jays do. And to boot, you say the 500 Boston Red Sox, that seems crazy. And what's even more crazy is the Orioles are still hanging on like they we, we got a division. Don't it's not gonna be it's it's not gonna be an easy series at all, man. We're gonna go to Fenway though, and I'm hoping for I think a split isn't out of the question, but I'm optimistic for three out of four for this one, man. Jays were what? Uh, I don't know the exact record, but I think they only lost twice to the Boston Red Sox last year. They dominated their time in Boston. I remember we had a 28-run outburst against the Red Sox in Fenway as well. So a lot of good things can happen against the Boston Red Sox. I will say the Blue Jays on paper are the better team. We're getting Kevin Gosman in this series. We're getting a revamped Yusei Kikuchi and Jose Barrios. Let's hope they can keep the things going. And if the Blue Jays hit, they should win three out of four games in this series. I'm feeling the split, though. Baseball's weird. Something silly is going to happen. It always does, right? Maybe there's a blown save in there. You know, maybe just the Blue Jays make a bad error in the field or something. Something silly will happen. But I'm going to say we get the split, but I'm, I'm with you, Riley. I'm thinking we get three out of four. Got to be optimistic, man, especially how hot we've been, um, you know, in the, in the last little bit. Like, I'm styling, hey, Mexico is a great time, but those were some awesome shows to be on. A lot of good ball content. We've mm-hmm. been red. We've been red hot, man. I mean, our, everything's coming together kind of with our pitchers. There's a lot, you know, I mean, we're starting the series with Barrios and Kikuchi. So all eyes on them to start this series off right. And that's really going to set the ball in motion for, you know, for these tough games ahead. I mean, yes, Boston, you know, on paper isn't a great team, perhaps maybe lined up with the Jays, but they're still the Boston Red Sox and they still have 
but they still have players like Raphael Devers. Who knows what Kluber could actually put together if he decides to turn back the clock. And then a, a guy like Tanner Houck, who is really unproven at this level, who could possibly maybe not go the distance, but give a quality seven innings and really make our bat silent if the Red Sox can string together hits. Who knows? Yes, Jesse, a split is maybe more on the realistic baseball god side of things, but I feel good. I, I take my chances on three out of four for this one. And my piece to click, by the way, we were talking about him. Uh, of course, I'd like to say Varsho, but uh, Bo Bichette, man, because he yeah, didn't have a call. ton of hits in this one. I think it's about time for Bo Bichette to just go to maybe not four hits um, in a game, but something like, so let's say three, two, like something. I think eight, eight hits for the series would be absolutely fantastic. And, um, and you know, his on-base percentage somewhere around 500 for the series would be excellent, man. This really can't go wrong with the recipe of players we got matched up because on paper, this looks really good for us. Really good series coming at Fenway Park this week. And how about two home runs for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. too? Let's make that happen in this series. Um, but that'll be it, guys. That's all we got for our episode here today. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Next week for our next episode here, it might be a little different as I will be going to Pittsburgh for the weekend series. I'll be following the Blue Jays to Pittsburgh for a weekend series there. So we'll have to get our episode in Thursday. It might be from a remote location. So bear with us. We'll see how that goes. But if there's anything cool you want done for the Blue Jays in Pittsburgh, I'm going to try to get some cool photos, some cool content, some good stuff for the Toronto Blue Jays there as I make my first appearance to a new stadium that isn't the Rogers Center. So I'm very excited about that coming forward. Um, remember guys like the video on your way out subscribe to the channel follow us on all the social medias please 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 it really is the best way to help the show grow and with that being said riley is there anything else you want to add before we call our episode here today yeah um just to add on to guys who might do stuff in the series can i just kind of say maybe it maybe we said matt chapman double in the next series hmm? is that is that a possibility Bold if we call, see something riley. like that Bold the call. odds are in our favor man yeah <laughs> I love that. Until next time, we'll see you then. Let's go Blue Jays.